Support for this podcast is brought to you by Parson Brown's Winter Wonderland Wedding Services. Are you looking to tie the knot so that you can conspire and dream away by the fire with your spouse? Perhaps in the middle of a meadow where you can frolic and play the Eskimo way? If so, have we got the snowman for you. Parson Brown will attend to all of your marital needs, doing the job himself when he's in town, no questions asked. So dash away, dash away, dash away all and visit his website to reserve a snowman for your special day today. Make sure to use the promo code TISTHEPOD to receive 20% off your reservation. Enjoy the show. Santa's coming in town. Santa! Oh my God! Would you please tell him that instead of Christmas this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. This way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year with movies. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. I'm Anthony. So hey guys, how's everybody's week been? We're at it again. (laughs) We are at it again. I just want to give a shout out to my wife, Sarah. It's her birthday tomorrow, September 6th. So it will be passed by the time you listen to this, but... I just wanted to say happy birthday. Happy 30th birthday. I love you. And thanks for always being there for me. Oh, that was sweet, Anthony. Happy birthday, Sarah. Happy birthday. You know how we do our intro? I say, I'm Tom. That's usually what I, my wife told me I should tell this. That's usually what I say when we go through drive throughs And uh, for some reason, recently I've had two drive through mishaps. One of them, the person at Chick-fil-A thought my name was Cornpaw. <laughs> <laughs> And one thought my name was Cobb. So just to clarify, everybody, my name is Tom. I'm totally 100% calling you Cornpaw from now on, by the way. Seriously, who thinks that's a name? the website. The only thing better would have been if you were at a Starbucks and they would have written it on your cup. Then you could have kept the cup forever. That would have been awesome. That would have been. That would have been. Cornpaw. That's so great. I love it. Well, we are going to rename the podcast for this week to Christmas Movie Smackdown Special because we're covering Arthur Christmas. And apparently, the reason why you hear my voice as the host for this week is because I am the only one of these three jokers that liked this movie. So (laughs) that's why I'm hosting because I do like this movie. Maybe not my favorite, but I apparently like it a whole lot more than Tom and Anthony do. So I'm super excited though, by the way. And I'm pretty sure the two guys are excited too to actually disagree about something because up until now it's been hot chocolate and Christmas cookies about you know what movies we like and what we love about them so y'all are in for a treat and what a fantastic opportunity to hear from all of y'all out there listening whether or not you agree with Tom and Anthony or if you agree with me the one with the nicest voice on the podcast <laughs> I'm so, not going to dispute that I can't argue that <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to say something I could disagree with also welcome would be comments on additional names tom can go by besides (laughs) cornpaw because there's got to be some good ones out there and if y'all don't know yet tom spells his name t-h-o-m which would have no bearing for the person at chick-fil-a but i feel like 
How did they get that? How bizarre. Maybe they okay. had a bad microphone. Oh, <laughs> Maybe they, they need to draft an apology for next week. <laughs> I think I think so too. You think so? <laughs> so Arthur well, Christmas, for those of you who have not seen it or it's been a while, we're going to do a plot synopsis. It's Christmas Eve. The big high-tech sleigh, the S1, is to deliver... Two billion presents on Santa's 70th mission. Meanwhile, Arthur gets a letter from a girl from 23 Mimosa Avenue, Trelu, Cornwall, England, saying that she wants a pink twinkle bike for Christmas. The S1, which is the answer to every child's question, how does Santa deliver all those presents in just one night? Travel 7 million miles around the world delivering gifts. However, during a delivery operation, when one child wakes up and almost sees Santa, an elf inadvertently presses a button, causing a present to fall off a conveyor belt and go unnoticed. A crazy wrapping elf called Bryony discovers the gift, and Arthur is alarmed to discover that it was the present for his for Gwen Hines, the Twinkle Bike. Grand Santa proposes delivering the gift using Evie, his old wooden sleigh, and the descendants of the original eight reindeer, forcefully whisking away a reluctant Arthur and a stowaway Bryony. They get lost, lose reindeer, and land in danger several times, ultimately being mistaken for aliens and causing an international military incident. Can Arthur, with the help of Grandpa and Bryony, really be the heroes of the night and deliver the missing present before Gwen wakes up, thus saving Christmas? My skin crawls just hearing that plot synopsis. Oh, stop it. Tom, you did a great job. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no. Tom did do a great job. I know, but I'm <laughs> the, skipping the, right over the fact that you're dissing <laughs> on my movie. <laughs> sadly, the, the fact that Tom did great. Sadly, the, the plot synopsis is better than the movie. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's discuss, let's start it off with our histories with the movie. Okay. Anthony, what's your history with this movie? So this movie came out in November 2011, I believe. Um, and I remember seeing the teaser trailer for it in the summer. It was a summer-themed teaser trailer. And I just remember that trailer for some reason because... It showed all of Santa's elves trying to gift wrap a polar bear while Arthur's videotaping the whole thing. It was really funny. Like, I remember watching it and it was like, oh, this movie is going to be really cute. So me and Sarah saw it when it came out in November. It was the first Christmas movie we saw together in theaters. And so I'm one of these people, when I walk out of it, the theater of a movie that I've been looking forward to seeing for a while, I hate to admit to anyone, including myself, if I didn't enjoy it. So after I saw Arthur Christmas for the first time, I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good movie. But after I had time to think about it, and after I saw it again on DVD, I was like, this movie is joyless. It brings me no joy. It's a Christmas movie devoid of joy until the very end. And the more I see it, the more I hate it. Anthony, I feel like you're holding back. Can you tell us how you really feel about this movie, please? <laughs> no, no Our listeners can't see or the subtlety. steam coming out of your ears. Exactly. <laughs> when I watched this movie for this podcast... I had to watch it two and a half times because I couldn't get through it the first two times. The f I kept zoning out. So the half time, I finally started it in the middle and just went from there. And just for a frame of reference, my notes for Elf and Home Alone were like three to four pages. Arthur Christmas has one, and it's just all complaints. So... <laughs> <laughs> bullet point i hate this movie second bullet point this movie sucks that's <laughs> pretty much point. it so frankly i disliked this movie when i first saw it i hate this movie now and during the christmas season whenever i turn on free four minutes this movie which they show a lot i change the channel and i'm like where's the halloween channel 
channel because I hate it. Wow. My history with it is not nearly so visceral. I actually don't have a history. It left that little of an impression on me that I don't actually remember the first time I watched it. I just remember thinking, meh. And then I hadn't really thought about the movie at all until I was told to watch it for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is just meh. It's boring. And you want to know why it's boring? I have no interesting pieces of trivia for this movie because IMDb is almost devoid of it completely. This movie has a boring history because it's a boring movie. (laughs) It's so angry. Now, Julia, I hear you have a slightly different take on this movie, maybe somewhat more positive than Anthony. It is more positive than Anthony's, but at this point, (laughs) me saying it was meh would be more positive than Anthony's take on it. So I saw this movie like two years ago when it was on freeform television and me and kids and Marty were all sitting on the couch looking for a Christmas movie, right? 25 Days of Christmas. And it was on and we're like, yeah, we've never watched this one before. And we sat. And we watched it and I loved it. And the kids really loved it. Although they do complain now that apparently last Christmas season, it got a crap ton of airplay on Freeform to a point where Hannah, my daughter, my oldest was like, yeah, I don't even like watching that movie anymore because like I've seen it literally 3 million times, mom. So that might be a detractor the, the much they tried, as much as they tried to push it last year. But I really enjoy it. Um, I, I don't know how much of that Honestly, this might be fairly basic. I don't know how much of that is the British voices. I'm a big fan of Brits. I think Brits are awesome, particularly the Brits in this movie. Um, But I really like the storyline too. It's definitely not without its faults, right? Some pretty big ones for me on certain parts of it. But some of the faults I can tie up at the end with a bow. There's always time for a bow, by the way. (laughs) movie quote from Arthur Christmas. I can tie some of them up at the end to be for the purpose of like character growth and story movement and all of that stuff. So not without its faults, not my favorite, not even top five, but I do like this movie because I love Arthur. Arthur is like my man. So I know we can talk about that later when we get into the, um, the cast and the characters and stuff, but I like this movie a a lot more than y'all like it. (laughs) So, it should make this interesting. I will agree with your kids. It got so much airplay last year yeah. on Freeform. Yeah. I don't know why they do that. And why do they pick and and what's the rhyme or reason for which movies get airplay like that? Because this conf- wouldn't be one that I would go to. Uh, what what always confuses me about Freeform is they'll show the Santa Claus one and the Santa Claus the three, but never show the second one. That's and so I don't true. I understand that. Yeah, and they'll play three 50 times more than they'll play one on rotation, which is yep. tragic. Yes, it is. It's got to be about it's got to be about rights and the cost of to show the movie. So who has rights to Santa Claus too? Freeform used to be ABC Family, right? Yep. Yes. Oh, on a side note, ABC Family did one of my fa- does one of my favorite Halloween stories. I absolutely love, as embarrassing as it is, all of the Halloween towns. Oh, I do too. <laughs> do you really? I really do. I, I think, um, after- especially the first two. I think after, oh, Halloween Town and Halloween High? Uh, Halloween Town and Calabar's Revenge. Oh, Calabar's Revenge was too? Okay. Um, I've subjected, subjected my wife to those so much that she actually kind of now likes them. Hey, is that how it works? The more you push something on somebody, they actually start to like it? Not usually. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, because that's not how it worked for me with those. Uh, maybe it's like cold those? outside, says it works. So. No, I'm not a fan <laughs> of the Halloween Town ones. <laughs> 
Not a fan. But hey, it's a Christmas show. So let's get back to Arthur Christmas. I'm sorry, guys. You're going to so, have to deal with some sniffles from a few of us. We've got a I know. bad ragweed <laughs> in Tulsa. So um, I go ahead and apologize for, for what you're going to hear. Yeah, on my behalf as well. Thanks, Tom. Okay, so overall plot. I think I can guess what y'all hated about the plot. Go for it. Let's use a jumping off point, right? Because I also do not like this part. I don't, and and this is almost across the board. There's heavy technical stuff, right? Santa and technology mixture in this movie. And it hits you right out of the get-go, right? You're you're looking at Santa. um, It's, it's, go time for Santa. So you've got all these elves that are doing all the work and they're rappelling down from this gigantic spaceship, S1. And like when I first started watching it, I'm like, yeah, you lost me <laughs> because I don't even like prep and landing. <gasps> I'm not a fan I of the technology. So that I was don't. A- I mean, they're okay, but I don't like mixing Santa and technology. I don't like it. It's I it like traditional Santa. It does exactly. It totally does. So it's funny, which that is partly what well that that feeds into this movie. So yeah, what are you gonna say, Tom? Oh, I was gonna say I had down that that the enti- that everything with the elves seems like a really bad ripoff of Prep and Landing to me. Um, it seems like it they they took what they saw in Prep and Landing from two thousand nine and made it worse. Um, my problem with the technology, it's so unbelievably over the top. Everything about it. This like militaristic command center. But what they did was they shot themselves in the foot. It doesn't stay. It's never going to stand the test of time. People are going to look back on this and see the technology they're using and thinking, wow, that is really dated. When we look at the Christmas classics, um, even going back as far as uh, It's a Wonderful Life, there's nothing that dates it so badly that it can't be watched and you can't relate to it now. But I feel like with this movie... Already when I watched it now, even just little things like the phones they're using and the technology and, and everything, it's just... The ho-ho hose? Yeah, the, the ho-ho. ho-ho 3000? <laughs> yes. I'm like, eh, my iPhone's better now. <laughs> I'm going to take a different track. I liked the opening sequence, the first 15 minutes of this film. But you're a prep and landing really? fan. I love prep and landing. So right. I loved uh, the elves descending upon that town and Santa actually only leaving one gift and kind of being absent-minded about how he does it. Like they had to remind him and guide him toward the tree and everything. So I liked that whole sequence, but the technology got old really fast after that when they kept relying on it the whole movie. And I hated with Evie, the original sleigh, how technologically advanced even that was. It could transform itself to look like a UFO and all these things to camouflage it. And I hated that. But but the technology wasn't even, I mean, it's one of my big flaws with it, but my other big flaw with it is this concept of Santa Claus. Like it didn't seem like, I don't know. I just, I get what they were doing with the plot of this movie. It's like a generational tale, old versus new and tradition versus technology and everything like that. And like, I guess from a story perspective, that stuff could work, but didn't work for me. I don't want to see a Santa Claus who relies on technology or who doesn't care about a little girl, if a little girl gets a present or not, and who ditches his reindeer and all of this stuff. And that's not why I want to see. It felt joyless to me. The technology is what where I got hit first with I don't like this. I don't like the idea of an elf putting presents under my tree. I'm sorry. I want the big man to do it himself. And if he doesn't, 
that's just lazy. He's phoning it in. And I'm not all about that. It, it kills the Christmas feels for me. And while we're talking about the, the generational thing, I'm going to go on a rant here that really irks me. Okay, so I usually separate the historical figure of St. Nicholas from Santa Claus. They've become two entirely different people. The image of Santa Claus that we have today is quintessentially American. We have an American idea of Santa. The historical Santa was a fourth century bishop who suffered under before the legalization of Christianity and was a confessor. He was tortured. But he was also a bishop um, in the Christian church, which meant he wasn't married, which means he did not have kids, which means he could not have been the first Santa to start this in, this multi-generational thing. People, if you're going to do Santa Claus, do Santa Claus. If you're going to do St. Nicholas, do St. Nicholas. Don't try to blend the two. It's a disgrace to the memory of real Saint, of real St. Nicholas. And I'm off my soapbox. <clears throat> Very true. Very, I mean, great points. Great points. And it is, I think it's joyless, at least at the beginning for me on purpose. I hated Santa at the beginning. I was super, like Tom said, irritated that elves were doing all the work, that Santa had to be helped down a ladder because... But I, he's useless. He's totally useless in the beginning. And that made me angry. I'm like, what? That I don't like this. This is so impersonal and all of that. But if you take that, if you even take the way the North Pole looks, it's those cold, gray, slippery, icy hallways that look mm-hmm. like a jail cell, right? All of that, I think, is intentional by the director, Sarah Smith and Barry Cook, because they take they go immediately from that scene to... Arthur's office. And Arthur's office is like perfection. It is messy. It is colorful. It is warm. The Christmas lights he has strung all the way around that office give that room a glow. And he is in the middle of it, writing personal letters to kids, responding on that personal level that the current Santa does not have. And he's invested. And you can tell that he is, he puts a heavy, heavy emphasis on Santa's magic. And Mm -hmm. that is why I like this movie so much because I think that he's the shining star. He's obviously the title character and all that, but he is the embodiment to me of Christmas spirit. He's what's right about Christmas. Here's my thing. I understand that they purposely made the North Pole cold and Santa kind of detached and all this stuff. And that's fine. And I'll just say that, get this out of the way right now. The movie is very technically made. The voice acting is superb. All of that. I just don't think the movie was for me. Like, I understand. I know I they were taking it from cold and detached and everything like that to the end where everyone finds their Christmas spirit again. I get that. But I don't want to sit through an hour and a half long Christmas movie where you only get Christmas spirit for the last five minutes. Because even if you go to It's a Wonderful Life or uh, A Christmas Carol even, when you're dealing with these characters who've kind of lost hope and lost their joy, they, I don't know, it's just those stories are filled with it, even if the character themselves are not. And I just felt this story was not filled with it. So along those lines, I don't like the idea of Santa himself not having those Christmas feels. And it's different than, say, Santa Claus, where... Um, in that Scott Calvin, the, type, the the new Santa Claus, has to learn to have those feelings. That's kind of a fun growth to see. But for whatever reason, I don't understand. So here's where I really don't understand. Current Santa doesn't care at all. Malcolm, right? That's his name? Yeah. Malcolm, yep. yep. 
Malcolm doesn't care that this kid didn't get her gift. And when he's confronted by the elves and they're like, hey, you know, there was an error. This girl didn't get it. He's immediately like, well, go talk to Steve. But when you go to Grand Santa, he immediately is like, of course I care. I was Santa too. I don't understand how that just didn't make any sense to me. I mean, why is Santa wanting to continue? He's he's on his 70th mission. Everybody expects him to retire. He doesn't. I don't understand if he doesn't care. Why is he holding on? It's an identity <laughs> issue. A lot of this movie is all about identity, right? Right? Who are you? Um, what's your purpose? And why are you here? Because Santa, when he sits in bed with Margaret after everything's said and done for that night, he sits there and he says, am I just a fat guy in a red suit? And she looks at him like, yeah, you totally are, but she's British. So she's like, no, dear, you're great. <laughs> but he, he mentions when she brings up retirement, right? He mentions, if I'm not Santa, what am I? Which I think everybody comes to a point in their life, right? Whether it's with, you know, whether or not it's time for you to stop being Santa or not, or if it's, I'm a, you know, job change, or when you go from being a single person to a married person or a non-parent to a parent, we have these big epics in our life. And for a Santa family where what they do is they inherit the role, that's a big moment for them. <laughs> when is it time for you to hang up the red hat and, and spend time with your wife and go salsa dancing, which is what they end up doing? I guess go ahead. I don't understand that because for me, the idea of retirement sounds amazing. I am ready to move into a retirement community now. Me I don't too. want the car. <laughs> take my license away. All of these things that are supposedly so awful that people dread, you know, and, and it's kind of what we're seeing from Santa here. I'm ready for her. So I don't get it from him at all. I'm like, okay, cool. When I can just retire and be a family man and, and, you know, see the world and enjoy my life that I've worked so hard to, to get to a point where I can do, I'm, I'm able to enjoy. I'm ready. So Santa, I'm not with you here, bud. <laughs> hashtag not my Santa. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> guys, we, we need to make this a real hashtag guys. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Okay, well, let's let's bring this to a level that we might we might better agree on and understand here as we get into who some of these amazing voice actors are. Let's suspend the specific Arthur Christmas talk for just a second and examine the fact that what we have here is Professor Slughorn marries Dolores Umbridge yep. and they have two sons, Dr. House and Professor Charles Xavier. House is analytical and he's a total jerk face. The current Santa retires. Charles Xavier is a lot more compassionate. Younger brother lives less in logistics and he believes in the personhood of people. And then you have Davy Jones, who's the retired Santa. And then you have a whole list of elves. You have Hagrid, Gollum, Jesse the Cowgirl, Anton the Werewolf <laughs> from What We Do in the Shadows. Have y'all seen that movie? Yes. I love that movie. Fantastic movie. I mean, talk about a cast. Guys, Shoot. The, cast, the cast was amazing. I don't know if we're going to get through an episode where Harry Potter doesn't come up, but it really does feel like a Harry Potter reunion happening here. I, I don't think that I don't have anything bad to say about the cast at all. It's the writing and direction of the movie. The voice talent was amazing and they served their characters well and what the script asked them to do. I liked all of the cast. I did too. And I liked listening to them. I liked hearing them them in their roles. And I feel like with what they were given, they did a great job. I think it's amazing that I can hear the voice of the woman who plays Dolores Umbridge and it doesn't make me want to murder anyone. Okay, let's ride that woman train here because my favorite character besides Arthur is Mrs. Santa. 
Absolutely. Because she is so snarky. Oh my gosh. In that British way. And just the little tidbits she drops, right? She is so good as Mrs. Santa. She's the reason that a lot of the characters in this movie are lacking. Uh, Namely, Steve, the micromanaging, technologically goon-headed son. And Santa himself. Militant, yes. He has an amazing goatee, though. He does. I was just about to say that Christmas tree goatee is really something special. Let me tell you. And his Versace Santa suit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. With the awful pinstriping. Oh, gosh. No. That was a bad idea. Um, But she's fantastic because all throughout the movie, as she is being undermined by Santa, you know, like when he's, when he's accepting congratulations for his 70th run and he talks about, you know, thank you to my wife for doing, you know, whatever it is women do while men are doing their work. You just see her face where she's just like, hmm. And, oh, she's just, she's got some of the best lines. When they're in bed together and she's wrapping her own gift and she gives it to Santa, this one's for me, dear. And he's like, oh, happy Christmas, Margaret, and hands it back to her. I love that part. (laughs) Makes you love her and really not like him. Yep. (laughs) I did not find... That was a big problem with the movie. I just didn't find much redeemable about Santa. Even when he decides... So we, we talked about this, and, and part of the reason I love her so much is she's she's really, without without demanding the respect, she's the one in charge. It's pretty mm-hmm. obvious. When they want to go... Yep. When they're going to go look for Arthur and Grand Santa, who is the one... Who is another character I really did enjoy in this film? I um, love Grand Santa. <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Um, I love how she's ready to go. She's got her little wheel bag, roller bag, ready to go. Like she's going to the airport and she's like, no, I'm going with you. (laughs) And just takes takes charge and there's no negotiating with her. She's going after her baby. Mm -hmm. Who's not wearing entirely enough layers. I know he's not. I had that quote, one of my favorite quotes. (laughs) Where she said, Arthur and Grandson are out there probably not wearing enough layers of clothes. (laughs) (laughs) I like at the dinner table when she goes, polar bear attacked me on the ice. Good thing I took that online survival course or there'd be one less for turkey dinner next year. <laughs> she's just, she's a bad A. She's awesome. I love she her. is awesome. Can I mention something about Arthur real quick? Please do. Because Tom, in the synopsis you read, you, I think it said Arthur's reluctant to go on this adventure, uh-huh. which completely undermines his holiday spirit because he should have been the one to, trying to convince the other, like he did try to convince the others, but when nobody else was willing to go and deliver the gift, he should have been like, okay, well, I'm going to go do it because everyone should have a gift on Christmas. But he, well, but he, he got the bike to Grand Santa. He did, and he was afraid. Remember when when they were in the, there, there was the weird transportation thing in Command Central? And the elves are like, you want to ride? He's like, no, I don't like high or fast. Yeah, he's, well, his worry is his thing. He's afraid of buttons and he doesn't like speed and he doesn't like heights and none of that. So what what compels him to finally make the leap is his worry and general concern for some kid being left out. See, to me, it seemed more what made him take the leap was Grand Santa just kind of forced him in the sleigh. Oh, he totally forced him in the sleigh. Right. So if it wasn't for Grand Santa, Arthur would have just stayed behind. Well, no, I mean, that's the whole worry thing again. I mean, but, but he was, he was doing, he thought that Grand Santa would take it and then make it happen because Grand Santa has history of being a Santa and Arthur does not. Arthur's just happy to be an elf. He even said so himself. So when Grand Santa forced him, I think he needed to, 
Which I wonder how much of Grand Santa in this movie is an agent for forcing Arthur into a position he should be in rightfully. 100%. Grand Santa goes a little crazy in the end, right? There's some parts, I love Grand Santa. There's some parts where I'm like, Meh, I could have done without that. It was a little too much and I ah, wish, bring it back in. But a lot of Grand Santa is, is pushing Arthur. What was the name Bambi's of his reindeer, reindeer, by the way? Bambi? What is the name of that reindeer? Was it Bambi? I thought one Bambi was... Bambi. Oh, Bambi was actually flying. Right. The decrepit one. I never caught the name. Okay. I was just curious about that. I love how he didn't know the names of his own reindeer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. did like that. Me too. You and you. <laughs> but John. So, John. So um, we do see Arthur develop, though, uh, when they're in the boat. Arthur's the one who wants to push on and keep going. And it doesn't matter that Bryony is telling him, you're swimming and you're, you're paddling in circles. He keeps trying. He's got to get to this girl to get her her bike. And then as he, he's a, you know going to get ripped apart, but he still goes up to try to get on the sleigh. Um, which So we see him develop as a character and overcome things, um, which speaking of that and talking about Grand Santa being crazy when they're on the boat, he's saying, you know, he might get ripped apart. I love how when, when Arthur gets pulled away, Grand Santa just starts to Whistling Jolly Old St. Nicholas. <laughs> that just He's seems like totally the, crazy. That just seems like the best response. Nothing happened. I'm gonna just whistle a song about me. <laughs> How old is How Grand old? Santa supposed to be? Yeah, because Santa has been on 70 missions. He said he was 139. But I, I think thought the number changes a little bit, doesn't it? He so he says he's been on more missions than actual Christmases he's been Santa Claus for. So at that point he had to have done more than 70. And this Santa's 70, but he says he's 139. So at that right. point he was Santa his first Christmas? I or is well, that just part of him along being crazy? With his dad for a while, remember all of that when he talked about riding yeah. along. Well, I think plus he's not exactly supposed to be the most reliable character. He's kind of crazy. He is. I love at the table when they're playing Christmas, the board game, which also is pretty great. Can't beat a board game. When he says Christmas, 1941, World War II, I did the whole thing with six reindeer and a drunken elf. I was shot at Arthur, took 12 direct hits, lost three reindeer. He is a total old crazy guy. I loved him. And Bill Nye's voice is just... I could listen to him talk all day. I love his other Christmas movie where he plays the rocker in Love Actually, Billy Mac. Um, I don't really have anywhere to go with that. I just had to drop that little (laughs) tidbit that he had another amazing part in a Christmas film that I love. So that dinner scene you just mentioned, Julia, Mm -hmm. so depressing. Steve's on his phone. Santa's falling asleep at the table. Margaret's Mm -hmm. trying to serve the food and like have a nice family dinner. Arthur just wants to play the game and Grand Santa's just kind of being loony. It's so depressing. Saying there's no color on the walls. It's Santa's North Pole. There should be color. There should be lights and joy. And elves serving the food. Yes. Why is Margaret doing that when they have this many elves around? I I will say one thing I liked about that scene, though, is sing Silent Night backwards. And they're like, who knows that? And Arthur manages to sing it backwards. And that reminds me of like traffic stops. Like you're supposed to, if you get pulled over for a DUI, supposedly you're supposed to be able to say the alphabet backwards. I can't say that sober. So so it's depressive to me that Arthur was able to sing it backwards. And while you're talking about that, it's going back to another thing. I just don't like a dysfunctional Santa, uh, dysfunctional Claus family. Me either. They're supposed to be the ones that bring all the joy and the spirit all around the world. Shouldn't I at least have a little bit at home? I thought it was funny because (laughs) one... (laughs) 
I love dysfunctional Christmas movies, apparently. The Griswolds are a dysfunctional family that love each other. But they had um, joy. They loved each other. They did. These guys so, didn't. Right. Well, so I think the story is, so what they come to at the end of the story, right? The climax of the story is this father-son connection at the end when they're sitting there and they're watching Gwen open that bike and they immediately remember like, like stupid Santa from the beginning realizes this is what it's all about. Logistical Steve realizes I could do this job, but I'm not the best one for this job. And the whole, that whole scene, I love that whole scene because Santa is talking to Steve and Arthur is just staring at Gwen with this stupid smile on his face. And he looks like bliss. And that's exactly who Santa is. And so I feel like all of this stuff in the entire movie, which some of it, again, that pacing was off on a lot of these, the whole Serengeti desert thing. And like some of that stuff, I was just like, why? And the, the dumb alien junk. I hated that part. Not a fan of all of that. So that scene in the closet where they're watching Gwen open the gift, I did like Santa's line, oh, I've never actually watched a child open this before. And then it was just magical to him. But going to what you said about the insane stuff along the way, this is probably one of my biggest problems of the movie. This movie could have been a 45-minute special on television. It did not have to be a padded-out feature-length film. It was episodic, like the Sahara and the chase through Toronto and the alien subplot, which was ridiculous. Like they could have just had it. They forgot to deliver a toy, had them get into one mishap adventure and then get there. And then that's it. And that's all they needed. And the same thing would have been accomplished. There would have been the same amount of character growth. There was so much padding in this movie. I didn't like it. So is that a film you would have liked uh, if they'd cut that out and kept it to 40 minutes and put it as a made-for-TV movie? I think I would have liked it better because it wouldn't be, they would have the joylessness at the beginning, the moment of joy at the end. It wouldn't be, it would be much more balanced. I don't think that would have fixed it for me. It's one of those things. This movie is competently made. It's competently written. It's just not for me. And I think that's what I have to accept. It's not necessarily a bad movie. It's just not a movie for me. I can accept that. I can definitely accept that because I know coming up in the next year as we review movies, I'm probably going to be on the flip side of this with some movies that are shockingly popular to me do, that do you I want don't to give understand. Us, do you want to give us a hint? Because I'm curious. I hate A Christmas Story. <gasps> okay. I, I, I hate that movie. I can't fault you. I like it, but I'm not in, as in love with it as a lot of people are. I hate it. I hate that movie. I know. I know it. And and some of the hates of that are con- very confusing for me because some of the things I love about some movies are in that movie, but I don't like it in that movie. Anyway, we'll talk about it later. So there's a little teaser. <laughs> Stay tuned. So that 24-hour marathon they do with The Christmas Story... Oh, I hate like, it. I hate that because... Like, I, I, I guess, unless it's Harry Potter and it cycles through all nine movies... I can rarely do those 24-hour marathons, but eight that movies. one... Fantastic Beasts. Oh, Fantastic Beasts. Okay, nine. Sorry. Wait a second. There are eight movies, seven books. Deathly Hallows, one and two. Oh, I was thinking eight movies, nine books. But you are nine still... Movies, books. You are still correct because of Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. Beasts. I haven't okay. seen Fantastic Beasts yet. <gasps> it came out, it's so good. It came out when Jude was like three weeks old. So I missed it in the movie theater. So I bought it. I just haven't watched it yet. It's Christine's like it. favorite. It's Christine's favorite movie out of the, the Is Harry it really? Canon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let me figure out where we're at. We talked about likes and, likes and dislikes. Okay. 
Wait, can I mention the, one more like? Please while do. Oh, it? yes. Mention a like. Yes. I would love just, that. just to be positive. Two likes, actually. Okay. I like the location of Santa's workshop in the North Pole. Like, I like that it's underground. And I think they a lot of movies do that nowadays. I think, I'm not sure what the first one was to do that, but I know the Santa Claus for sure. Santa Claus was early in that list. Yeah. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, if you're doing a movie where adults aren't supposed to realize Santa is real, that they're underground and they can't be seen. The way I they like did that, that with, with Gwen's letter at the beginning, too, where she says, why can't I see you on Google Earth? I liked the location. I'm with you on that. But that really annoyed me that they brought in Google Earth. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I Like you said, it's dating the movie. My other positive was, is this the first special besides Santa Claus versus the Martians where we see that he can fly the sleigh in space? Like the actual sleigh with the reindeer, because I actually liked that minus the breathing masks. But I like the idea that he can fly so far up and just see the whole world below him. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a cool idea. You think the Santas would be magical enough to not have to... That's where I was going. That's where my thought yep. was. Breathing down. Yeah. But anyway, I just, those are two likes I had. So there you go. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> it is. <a> cr- <laughs> That's so great. Okay. Well, I think this would be a pretty easy question, uh, question to answer, even from those that did not like it. Does this movie pass the Linus test? Yes. Yes. I think so too. I think each character, like each conflicted character anyway, undergoes a change. I can't Some argue. might be a little more stretched than others, but, I can't argue but yeah, with that. I think it does. And so the there's moment, that at least. The moment they pass the lioness test is the moment in the closet when they're watching Gwen. For most of them, it is. Yeah. Although there's gift. some teasers. There's some pre-closet moments that are, are lioness test teasers, I feel like. Like, Grand Santa's off his rocker by then because he's been smashed in the head. So his was sacrificing <laughs> Evie, I feel like. But yeah, Big Santa and Steve. Steve Santa. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's do a final wrap-up thoughts on the film. Anthony, how about you first? I think, I think that's a good idea since I'll be the most negative. And <laughs> we can end on a positive note. Um, my opinion, like I said, at the top of this podcast... I like it less each time I see it. Maybe it is just me. I think it is just me because, like I said, it was a competently made film. I can't complain about the acting or anything like that. But it just destroys Christmas magic for me. It's not what I want to picture the North Pole as. It's not what I want to picture Santa Claus as. I mean, we'll rank it in a minute, but I'll just say this. like With each movie we do, it's going to get lower and lower on the list, in my opinion. Yeah, so don't like it. I probably never will. But Prep and Landing, if you want a good elf movie, it's awesome. How about you, Tom? I'm ambivalent. I don't love it. I don't have Anthony's strong feelings for it. But in my final thoughts, there are a few quotes that I like to share that really made me laugh. I loved when Santa was getting ready to leave and he says, hand me my me suit. (laughs) Yes. I love that part uh, too. The idea. It's like, well, of course it would be his me suit. What else would, would he wouldn't say hand me my Santa suit? Um, so I love that. I also, when uh, right after Graham Santa's whistling, Jolly Old St. Nicholas, when he's talking to Bryony and she asks how she, he got to keep Evie, they talked about threatening the elves to feed them to the reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> There's part of you that wonders, okay, did he really do that or is he off his rocker? Yes, he totally deadpans it. He does. He does. And then when Steve gets a call on his ho-ho uh, and it wakes him up, he says, hello, what the elf? And uh, 
I think that's going into my <laughs> that's going into my daily lexicon. I'm I'm adding that to my my repertoire of regular quotes. Um, again, I love the cast. The cast was great. Their voices were great. It, the animation was nice. It was pleasant on the eyes. For me, it's just the story. The story gave was lackluster and did not give me the Christmas feels I like from my holiday movies. I do have two or three more positives to mention that I didn't, if I can rattle them off real quick in my final thoughts. Charles Dickens rolled up in here and just busted out Christmas spirit and you look at you popping off positive stuff left and right. If it's the end or he's throwing money to everybody, go buy a turkey. Go buy a Christmas tree. Come here, Tiny Tim. Bah, humbug. Uh, I can't remember. Grand Santa at one point said, the last time I took Evie out, I nearly started World War Three, or was it the Cuban Missile Crisis? I forget, but that's a movie I want to say. The Cuban Missile Crisis, yes. Okay, that made me really laugh. (laughs) Um, And then these all kind of go together at the end. I like the end writing where it's like, oh, this is what happened to everyone after the movie ended. So I'm glad they made a point of saying that all the reindeer made it home because I was worried (laughs) for all of them. (laughs) (laughs) They were dropping like flies. (laughs) I, I do like that everyone found happiness at the end, and I really like that final. And at the helm, Arthur Christmas made everybody happy, except me. But I like that he made everybody in the film happy. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love positives. Um, I like this movie. I'm never going to not like this movie because I really like Arthur that much. Um I like Arthur this for the same reasons I like Buddy. Uh, his I like his innocence. I like his love for Christmas magic and his love for kids. And I just I could watch him voiced by McAvoy all day. I, I just I love his energy and his his charisma. He's absolutely my favorite part of this movie, and he's what makes it magical. And my favorite part with him is the absolute very end where he's being whisked away from delivering the bike and he falls face first into the snow. And when he lifts up, the snow becomes a beard and the white Mm -hmm. hair and he kind of stands up and the wind puffs out his parka to look like a Santa belly. And it just, it gives me all the feels. I love it. It's just the perfect way, I think, to end that movie. I am seething that you uh, compared Arthur to Buddy because they're not on the same level in my book. Not on the same level, no. But But some of the very similar attributes. Yeah, I mean, he is not on the same level. But for the same reasons I like Buddy, I like Arthur. (gasps) And there's also a narwhal in this movie. (laughs) Narwhals. Yes, when? When? like there's a whole fleet of narwhals. Yeah. When Grand Santa has him on Evie and they're flying and he's like looking around in wonderment because like how often does he leave the North Pole, right? And he's like, they're whales with horns on their heads. Oh my gosh. I didn't even register with me. I just thought they were whales. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're missing some Christmas magic, Anthony. <laughs> I didn't read up on this as well as I should have because I was not that interested in it. Um, right. <laughs> who who voiced Arthur? Arthur is James McAvoy. Is he really? Professor Xavier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Professor Xavier. No. Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> yeah. My well. favorite character from the new, oh, from the newer uh, Chronicles. <laughs> that's young McAvoy. That is young McAvoy. But yeah. that's where I first learned who he was. Yeah. I, I think him. that was me he too. He was in Penelope. I love Penelope. It's such a great movie. I don't know what that means. Oh, with what? the pig nose, the girl with the pig nose, Penelope. It's so good. It has um, it has Mrs. McAllister in it. Actually, she's Penelope's mom. I'm blanking on her name. 
Catherine O'Hara? Catherine. Yes, Catherine O'Hara. It's a great movie. You should watch it. Hmm. Cool. Also very British and funny. I like British comedy. Okay, so if we're going to rank this movie, I think I know, but I would put it third, given we've ranked three movies. Are we in agreement on that one? I am. I don't think it holds up. It's. It, I don't think it does hold up or will hold up as well as Elf. And it already feels to me more dated than... And I know we're not looking at how dated or how well something holds up as our total test of where a movie should be, but it, it, it already feels old compared to Elf to me. This is my... This is probably my low point. I, In my mind, it's already at number 50 on my personal list. This is a movie to... This is a race to the bottom with other movies. Like, this is a movie... Other movies are going to have trouble uh, coming below, in my mind. But that's going to open up some interesting debates in later episodes, I'm sure. So this is your... Uh, for those of you who listen to The Hark, this is your Christmas shoes. This is my Christmas shoes. So what you're saying is we need to do Christmas shoes to really give you... I don't know. That's uh, stay tuned. All right. So we, we're all in agreement. This goes in as number three. 120%. Agree. So do you want to recap our list for us so far, Julia? <clears throat> yep. So we have at number one, Big Shocker, Elf. Two is Home Alone. And three now, brand new, Arthur Christmas. I know. Looking forward. I, what were you I know. Say? Oh, I was going to say, I know Anthony can't wait until we get more and we can knock this out one out of the top yeah, 10. Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> I can't sure. wait, and and I'm <laughs> and I know we're gonna have some fights coming up fairly quickly. I'm sure. <laughs> Offline okay. guys will find a way to deal with our disagreement that doesn't end in uh, combat to the death. <laughs> um, I don't know what that looks like yet. Right now, uh, I think I think uh, final combat is the or mortal combat is the the only method we have. But we'll come up with something and we'll share with you how we're dealing with that. Um, because just, I don't know if we've told our, our listeners, we don't know going into this how other people rank movies. Um, I find out at the same time, well, sort of at the same time, as our listeners, how Julia and Anthony rank a movie. And they find out how we all rank anyway. So it's all on the cusp. There's no pre-planning. There's no discussion. It's all live-ish. <laughs> live-ish. <laughs> a week late for you guys. Okay. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening because we have listeners and we have responders as well. We have some listener mail from this week and previous weeks, as well as some iTunes reviews. So we want to take um, a little bit of time out to read some of the listener mail we've gotten because it's really got some fantastic stuff in it. Um, Anthony, I think you've got one to start off with. We got a few comments from a woman named Jen. For those wondering, me and Jen met about two years ago. On We took the same train basically, to and from work. So she answered, she posted on the Facebook group today answering our questions of the week from last week. So the first question was, what is your favorite holiday drink? And she said, I make Coquito every year. It's Puerto Rican eggnog, but with coconut cream, eggs, and rum. It doesn't taste gross like American eggnog. So I'll have to try that because I don't like American eggnog. I don't know how you two feel about American eggnog, but I like it sans the rum. I and like I prep- it just with the rum. <laughs> no, I'm lactose intolerant, so I can't drink it. <laughs> well, we're usually in the Advent fast, so we're not um, consuming dairy during the Christmas time. But I found that they have amazing uh, soy and coconut eggnog. Ooh, I may have to try that. Coconut. That's cool. You totally should. It's, it's made with coconut milk. It's pretty good. Okay, so Jen also answered our second question, um, which is basically, what are your Christmas Eve and Christmas Day traditions? 
So she said, Christmas Eve and Christmas traditions vary depending on plans. If we're in Orlando, we go to Magic Kingdom and Epcot to meet the Santas. We usually do Magic Kingdom Christmas Eve and Epcot on Christmas Day. You can meet traditional Santa at the Magic Kingdom. Epcot has Santas from around the world, and we go to see the candlelight processional with readings done by a celebrity. One of the things I loved about the Christmas traditions from around the world in Epcot are the different ideas of Santa they have. In Italy, there is a witch called La Befana. She was a witch who saw the three kings follow the star. They invited her to come to meet the newborn king, but she refused, so, so they left. When they left, she had a change of heart and found a doll to give to the newborn king and follow the star. Sadly, the star disappeared, so she never got to meet the Christ child. Every year at Christmas time, she gives presents to the kids and looks upon their faces, hoping one day she will meet the Christ child. So I've heard of La Befana. This is not Jen speaking now. This is me. I've heard of her La, La Bifana before, but I didn't know that was her backstory. Did either of you? I've never heard of her. She's about as weird, though, to me as the uh, Dominic the Donkey. Italians just have weird, weird traditions, guys. <laughs> I love Dominic the Donkey, but I'm also Italian, so... <laughs> <laughs> My kids bring home Christmas stuff every year. It seems like around Christmas when they do coloring pages of Christmas from around the world. And so, yeah, well, there was a witch on one of them and I'm like, what? And so they told me about it. It was really interesting. Hmm. Fascinating. Then Jen goes on to say, now if I stay home with family, we do Puerto Rican Christmas with my parents, abuela, grandma, aunt and cousins. Just a note, I'm going to keep reading this in a second, but I apologize to anyone if I butcher any of these pronunciations. Um, we will have pernil, which is pork shoulder, arroz con gondules, some sweet potatoes or green beans. That's more American for us. And flan and arroz con leche, rice pudding. It's very loud, but also very fun. We open presents, tell family stories, and enjoy each other's company. So that sounds really nice. That sounds amazing. It I does. want to meet Jen and talk about Disney. All the time. Jen's the nicest person, so you should message her if you want to know more about that stuff. I'm going to do it. I'm just amazed. I, I love learning about other cultures and how people incorporate their uh, their native cultures into their Christmas. Being a little removed from that myself, it's something I've always wanted. So I, I really enjoy hearing stuff like this, like Jen's, how Jen's Puerto Rican family celebrate Christmas. No, it's just kind of, it's really cool to hear. It makes me envious of, and wish I had a, had a little closer ties to my cultural heritage. So Jen also wrote on our Facebook wall twice yesterday, September 4th, recommending two Christmas films to do at some point down the line. The first is she put a link to a Rankin Bass special called The Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, and she wrote with it, so you have to review this travesty. I watch it almost every year since I found out about it. It's so bad and hilarious. So she wants us to suffer and watch this movie. I have seen it before, and I can attest to it's a travesty i don't know if either of you have seen it before i have not well she'll be happy to know we have that scheduled down the line around saint patrick's day so you have to wait a while but we'll get there and she also posted a link to a walt disney animated special called small one and she wrote with that this was one of my favorites as a kid i got super emotional watching this one i think that's about um that's a more religious one i think from what i I don't really know much about it. I should have looked it up, what that was about, but we should add it to the list. More recommendations. They have another Christmas movie coming out this year. The Is Star. The Star? Yes. So I was going to bring that up, too. Sounds kind of similar to what Jen was talking about. It's The Star. It's about the, a donkey and his animal friends that go to the first Christmas. 
Sony Animation does not have the best track record. No, and it looks like they're going to keep that track record going with this film. We'll put a oh. we'll put a link to info in the show notes for you to make your own decision. It's sad though because the cast voice cast for this upcoming film, much like Arthur Christmas, is spectacular. So I hope it's a good film, but I don't have high hopes for it. There is a an Oklahoma love, an Oklahoma darling in this film coming up, Kristen Chenoweth from uh, Broken Arrow, not very far from where Julia and I live, and she is kind of a local hero. She'll always be Glinda and Wicked to me. I can see that. She did a great job with it. Yes, she did. Jen's husband, Sean, asked us to review Die Hard, and he wrote, many would disagree, but they're wrong. Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie. So, Sean, if you're listening to this episode, I think you'll be very happy in about five, ten minutes when we announce next week's (laughs) (laughs) But thank you both for writing in. Like we said, we want to encourage interaction with our listeners. And I think Julia got a message on our Facebook page from another listener. So, two weeks ago, um, Charlene Lewis wrote on our Facebook page um, a response to our elf questions. When we did the elf episode, we asked questions at the end, and she was Johnny on spot. And so, we've been sitting on her comments for almost two weeks now. So, Charlene, thank you so much for reaching out. Um, she had some great, great stuff to say. So, she mentioned that she's a fan of the, of the podcast, which we love to hear. Um, she loves hearing the personal stories of Christmas experiences with our families and childhoods. Um, and then she says, I love Christmas. Um, so this podcast is giving me my fix. I want to answer your questions at the end of the episode. So here are her answers regarding Christmas trees. Um, she puts up one big Christmas tree. Um, she's never had a real tree, not even as a child. So she prefers artificial for her home. Um, she puts up Christmas decorations the weekend before Thanksgiving and she loves having Christmas tree up and decorations all over the house uh, for Thanksgiving dinner. So, hey, that's perfect timing. She loves the movie Elf. It's great. And one of her very favorite Christmas movies is Home Alone. It's a movie she's watched every single year at Christmas time since it came out. It never gets old to her. And she thinks it still holds up as a Christmas classic for sure. Um, her nine-year-old loves it too. And she thanks us for the podcast. And Charlene, we thank you for listening and for sending us some awesome comments. We love the feedback. So thank you. Yes, thank you. And definitely write in again at some point. What was really exciting to me about getting her feedback is she's somebody that none of us know who just found the podcast, which was kind of exciting. So um, not only are people listening, thank you, all of you people, but you're engaging with us and we really, it's exciting. And we definitely want to encourage that more. For sure. And just while we were filming this episode tonight, we had one of our fans write in to us and she is a huge fan of Arthur Christmas. So I'm going to go ahead and apologize for Anthony's reaction to the movie and in any offense he may have caused you. Sorry, Rebecca, I miss you. But Rebecca goes on to say that she's seen it many times and she can basically recite the film. It's such a sweet film, which makes her smile. She loves that it literally, that it's literally just about family and there's no romance angle at all. And her favorite holiday drink for her is a gingerbread latte or a Black Forest hot chocolate. She doesn't know if that's just a British thing. I don't know that I've ever seen a Black Forest hot chocolate in the United States. Have you guys? I have not. So I think it must be a British thing. Did you have one while you were studying over there? I did not. I, I'm just going to say this now because I think it's clear three episodes in. I was a very picky eater growing up. 
and I still am, but my horizons expanded a lot living in England, but I'm still pretty picky when it comes to love. Like gingerbread lattes? <laughs> and peppermint, uh, pumpkin spice. I'm the Grinch in disguise, guys. I'm sorry. So would you try, would you try pe- pecan pie coffee? Is that something you'd be open to? I you don't like I... pecan pie? <sighs> I'm oh. sorry, Tom. I'm Anthony, sorry. you are un-American. <laughs> <laughs> so what exactly do you eat at I'm Christmas d- time? I'm going to say this. Department? I will say this. I don't like pie in general. <laughs> I, I like chocolate pudding pie. Ew, that's the only pie I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I think Anthony may have a uh, uh, a war on flavor, guys. A war, <laughs> Anthony's personal war on flavor. If it tastes good, Anthony does not like it. <laughs> so, but back to our Black Forest hot chocolate. I did find a recipe for it that we can throw in the show notes for those Americans who, like myself, who have not tried it. It apparently has a cherry syrup in it. So, ooh, I love um, cherry. So, so Rebecca, Anthony thank loves. you. <laughs> It's another Christmas miracle. (laughs) So, Rebecca, thank you for writing in and telling us about this Black Forest hot chocolate. I don't know about you guys. I'm looking forward to trying to make it myself. Me too. too. So thanks, Rebecca, and congratulations on the baby. I wanted to mention a trailer was released today for a Christmas film that I had no idea was coming out. Oh, And it's called um, The Man Who Invented Christmas. And it's about basically the story of Charles Dickens writing A Christmas Carol. But it stars Dan Stevens, who was most recently seen in the live action Beauty and the Beast as the Beast, as Charles Dickens, and um, Christopher Plummer as Scrooge, who I guess, I guess the fictional character Characters are going to appear to him as figments of his imagination as he's writing the story. But the trailer for it, it looks absolutely magical. And as a huge fan of Christmas and just like a, as a writer, like the movie looks awesome. I'm so excited for it. It does. It does look absolutely amazing. And I feel like we failed last week, guys. When we were discussing Home Alone and we were talking about Old Man Marley, none of us brought up Boo Radley. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like, especially with, with English degrees, that makes us kind of failures. <laughs> I'm ashamed. Sorry. All right. So time to announce the movie for next week. We're really excited about this one because it's our first non-Christmas Christmas movie. Yay. Die Hard. Mm. I'm super excited about this one. Me I too. I love this movie. Me too. Um, and it'll be fun to discuss, you know, how much Christmas do you need in a Christmas movie that's maybe not Christmassy? And is it a Christmassy movie? And all those fun questions. Yeah, it'll be fun to discuss whether or not it passes the Linus test. Yes. It will be. It will be. Also, for next week, um, I think, Tom, didn't you have a question to pose to our listeners? Yes, I do. So I was wondering, guys, how do stockings work in your home? Do you get them before presents, after presents, in the morning, in the evening? How do you you guys do your stockings? We get our stockings Christmas morning, and usually it's the first thing that the kids start rifling through. It's kind of like free reign, right? They can come downstairs and we can all gather. And while we're getting coffee and kind of breakfast made and all that stuff, they pick through their stockings and the bigger things wait until a little bit later. Hmm. What about you, Anthony? Yeah, um, we open our stock. We uh, go through our stockings in the morning. We usually do it before the presents under the tree that we need to unwrap. 
And yeah, usually it's, uh, we get a lot of smaller gifts in the stockings. I know some people just get like candy and sweets in their stockings. Like my wife, that's usually what they get in their stockings. When we're, when Santa visits them in Canada, when Santa visits us in the U.S., we get um, smaller gifts that can fit in a stocking. Like if Santa knows I need a new phone charger or a car charger or something, he'll put those in the stocking instead of under the tree. So... But yeah, we do them in the morning, right before um, opening the actual gifts under the tree. Ours are last. That's the way it's always been done at my house, and it's done at my wife's. The stockings come very last. We do all of our presents, and then while we're relaxing and just hanging out, people do their their stockings. And as a side note, with a little humor, um, when my wife and I were dating, uh, our first Christmas, I made her, I got her a stocking, but I did not prep well enough in advance. So I ended up going to Walgreens and her entire stocking came from stuff I could find at Walgreens like the day or two before Christmas. And to this day, everything Santa brings to her in her stocking comes to, for some reason, come from Walgreens. I think he's just got a good sense of humor. <laughs> so I actually have a question I want to ask you guys. Mm-hmm. I love questions. So this one actually may be hard, just being sprung on you, but um, I figured since we all really liked that The Man Who Invented Christmas trailer, it was an appropriate time to ask it. What is your favorite version of A Christmas Carol? Without getting into details why, because we're going to cover a bunch of them later on. Uh, Muppets is my favorite, hands down across the board. Mine is Scrooged, with Bill Murray playing Scrooge. Mine is actually a comic book, Batman Noel, where Batman is in the role of Scrooge. Oh, very cool. DC for the win. Yes, and that's a great one, and I want to cover it at some point on this show. Okay, so that takes us very easily and quickly and nicely into our question for y'all. So we would love it if you would answer these two questions as well. We want to hear your feedback. We want to know what your favorite Christmas carol, as well as what are your stocking habits. Um, Let us know a little bit more about you as you're hearing about us. I know that that's what we're looking for as well, not just about movie trivia, but we want to know about y'all. So um, hit us up on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on our website as well. And you're also welcome to email us if you want to do it that way. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Every rating and review counts. And the more ratings and reviews we get, the higher up we'll show in the searches when people are looking for new podcasts. So if you could do that and help Spread the word about us to your family and friends. That would be great. And um, I think maybe next week or the week after, we may announce some kind of um, promotional giveaway to uh, basically entice you guys to rate and review us if you're not going to do it on your own. So stay tuned for that. If you want to go ahead and rate and review us, we will make sure that whatever our promotional giveaway is, you are included with for a chance to win. Right. You will be entered in it, but we won't be announcing what the actual giveaway is for another week or two. Well, how's this sound? If you review us on iTunes before we announce it, we will double your chances of winning this mystery prize that you don't know about yet. Ooh, I like that. That's a great idea. I like that. And actually, I just wanted to make one more note. So when we initially scheduled when this podcast would be released and then recorded, we realized there were less than 24 hours between when a new episode drops and a new episode is recorded. So if you don't get feedback or questions or answers to us within that 24-hour period, it won't appear on the very next episode. It will appear two episodes down the line. So if you write to us, be patient. If you write to us, it will get read on the air at some point, at maximum two episodes down the line. So so apologies to Charlene for uh, 
having to wait that long. Unfortunately, that's just the way it's going to be for a while due to scheduling. Well, I think that about wraps up this week, our most controversial movie yet. So before next week, do your homework, guys. Watch Die Hard. If you want to go ahead and start the conversation, let us know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie or is it not? And some exciting news, only 104 days left until Christmas. So until next time, have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye.